Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hey, Mama Bears, and welcome to a new season of Mama Bear Apologetics. It's been a hot minute since we've had a podcast. <laughs> we've had all sorts of stuff going on. We've uh, got a new book that's coming out, and uh, Amy's Amy's pregnant. Would you like to show the belly, Amy? Oh my gosh, no! Nobody wants to see that. Just imagine a <laughs> just imagine a basketball slightly under your your line of vision, and that's yeah. that's what we got. So we know that this summer you've probably been going through all the things, trying to decide, are we going to homeschool? Are we going to do private school? Are we going to do public school? Because, I mean, honestly, that's what a lot of the decisions are being made right now. And, and there are pros and cons to all of these decisions. But uh, And so far, Amy has chosen to public school her, her children, except for I think one of them was homeschooled for a while just for um, a learning difference and a, a bad teacher. <laughs> he needed to be taken out of there. So it's been a really great district that she's been in. It, it's, it's been very just, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, all that stuff. Well, she just had her son come home from one of his first days of AP English with a whole slew of social justice homework. So today we're going to be talking about what happens when social justice comes to your kids' schools. We're going to talk about what social justice is. We're going to look at some of the slides and some of the homework that he was given. And most importantly, we're going to be looking at a lot of the definitions. So we were talking before we came on here about how like this kind of social justice thing can be like a Pied Piper. And it's not as much what it sounds like in the here and now. It's where it leads. That's the problem. So we so keep your keep your ears open, keep your mind open as we're going to be saying, you know, this is not just a left versus a right issue. This isn't a Republican versus a Democrat issue. Both sides of the aisles, if we are Bible believing Christians and we are trying to keep a Christian worldview, we have to look at anything that is going to be actually going against the Christian worldview. So it'll be a mix like everything we do with Mama Bear Apologetics. We're going to be talking about what's good. What are the good intentions? What what are some people when they hear social justice? What are the good things that they're hearing? But then we're going to be looking at what are some of the things that are sneaking in with these concepts and social justice. So first off, Amy, why don't you just tell us the story of what happened when you came home? Yeah, tell us tell us your story. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. not, not nearly as dramatic as what a lot of what you see in stuff on the news. It was one of those to where, yeah, we've, we've loved being in our small town, small town district, you know, and that kind of gets you into this comfort to where you think, okay, you know, we're years away from having to interact with any of this stuff actually coming into the schools. And no, I believe it was day three he he'd come home and he was like, Hey, guess what we learned today? And the first couple of days of school, you know, you're just navigating where the you syllabi go. And- yeah, <laughs> the syllabus and, and introductions and everything. Where's and my locker? You, yeah, exactly. Trying to figure out the whole, oh, you know, we don't have lockers anymore. They really? took them out. Yeah. Huh. It's like a thing. How and do they 
Where do they put their books? You carry them with you everywhere. That's a lot of books. It can be. So, okay. <laughs> but okay. But anywho, he came home and, and he was like, guess what I learned today? And I was like, yeah, what'd you learn? And he goes, well, we learned about social justice. And I'm like, seriously? I'm like, that came up quick. I mean, golly, we didn't, we aren't, we're still trying to figure out where all the highlighters went and yet yeah. here we are. <laughs> and so- he started showing me the slides and man, sure enough, this was social justice in all of its glory. And I mean, if you've heard our heard our podcast with Monique Dusan on the 13 tenets of BLM, I mean, all of this stuff is wrapped uh, wrapped in there. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you know, why why is this being taught in the school? What mm-hmm. purpose does it serve? And so for that that first day, it was- What does this have to do with AP English? <laughs> what does it got to do? And so it was great because- uh, when he came home and shared with this, I was like, okay, well, let, let's just take a minute and we need to first do the background research. Like, why yes. was this brought up? We're not going to freak out. In fact, we didn't even address the slides until the next morning because I needed to do a little bit of research on some of it myself. And I wanted to make sure that I was coming, that we were talking at it from a conversational perspective. Yeah. And so there was a few steps that we took beforehand before, you know, all of what you see on the news that happens where you have these school board meetings where people are throwing stuff and getting heated. I'm like, I don't want, I want to avoid that if necessary. Yeah. And so there were some steps that, that we took to really kind of figure out, okay, why did this get here? Yeah. And that's what we, when Hillary and I were discussing this, we we're like, okay, that's something that would be helpful to parents. So what mm-hmm. do you do when this first comes in? And most importantly, Hillary, and I think you would agree as well, is don't freak out. It's the no flinch rule that Katie uh, Foss talks about. You have to make sure that you're like, oh my gosh, oh my God, you know, like freaking out because kids pick up on that pretty fast. It needs mm-hmm. to be like that. Take a deep breath. Oh, that sounds interesting. So um, make sure, yeah, that no flinch face, that no flinch rule, they're not seeing you freak out. And you take the time to say, let me look this over. Because sometimes they may have seen just one word and they think, oh, it's all social justice. And then you look Mm -hmm. at it and you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. Maybe take a look at it. So take your time with it first. So that, remember, and we talk about in the ROAR method, part of that objective discernment, uh, offering objective discernment step is making sure that you're seeing things accurately. <laughs> yeah. Because if you just immediately jump to the assumption, oh, this is this horrible, this is teaching all these things, we can't jump to assumptions immediately because that just makes everybody look stupid. So let's not look stupid and make sure we're looking at it first. So I think you were good. You didn't flinch when he showed it to you. You took until the next day to start addressing it with him. So what were some of your priorities there in addressing it with him? So I really wanted to make sure that we were addressing the overt terminology, the overt claims, and some of the subtle claims that you you piece together through putting forth mm-hmm. through the slides. So there were some slides that we were able to go through. And so I wanted to make sure and take time and analyze the arguments that were within there. Because yep. my, uh, my kiddo who got to encounter this, he's a logical thinker. And so Mm -hmm. this helps him think well. And that's what we want our kids to do is because eventually they're going to encounter this stuff, whether it's on their cartoons or in their classroom. And if we haven't equipped them to think well, then they're not going to recognize it. It's going to sound really good. And they Mm -hmm. are just going to swallow it down and move on with their day, not realizing that they're they're absorbing a different worldview. So first and foremost, we, we didn't freak out because again, 
like Hillary perfectly said, when you communicate that to your kids, the message you're actually sending is you can't come to me because mom's going to freak out or dad's going to flip out. And now we're all going to be homeschooled. And this way, you know, it's, we're going to be calm. And then what you want to do is do your informational recon. Mm -hmm. And so two ways that you can do that is one, reach out to the teacher one-on-one through an email, yes. you know, be overly gracious and just ask, Hey, you know, I saw this coming up. Um, what I was curious about, you know, what was the reason behind bringing this? What is the mm-hmm. purpose? Is it going to be infused in the curriculum? You know, just ask good questions. And I, I made it clear throughout the And email. not leading questions where yes. they can tell that you're trying to get a gotcha moment. Cause I think right. people are pretty, pretty astute to when they're trying to ask you gotcha questions. This is really just, it could be some teacher that someone handed this to this, handed this to them said, you need to teach this. And they're like, oh, okay. They have no idea that the stuff that they're teaching maybe isn't the greatest idea in the world. And so not ascribing motives to them, but just kind of, yeah, asking those open questions. And this is something we really need to practice, which is tone. Mm -hmm practicing our tone, that it's not a gotcha tone. It's not a kind of um, interrogation type tone. It's not a condescending tone. It's not a fearful tone. Um, Yeah, like uh, Amy has in here, no honey badgers. We don't (laughs) just say no to honey badger on this one. Um, And just really having, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt first. And that's just treating someone decently. I mean, that's what that's yeah. what conversation is meant to be about. Yes. And one of the ways that Satan has been so clever in all of this, this moment that our, our culture is in right now is dividing the people and stripping them of their humanity and reducing them to a label. You are yes. MAGA, you are alt-left, you are socialist, you know, you're a Biden lover, you know, all of these polarizing things. And what does yeah. each one of those do? It strips the person of the humanity and gives you full reign to basically assault them, whether verbally, physically, whatever, because again, they're the enemy. They're the evil. We have to get rid of them. And so when we break through that, we affirm the Imago Dei in each and every human being and recognize, you know what, it's it's not always black and white. We don't know the background. And one thing that was great is being able to chat with the teacher. It turned out that the books that the kids were going to be reading this year uh, all have to deal with different forms of prejudice. And Mm. so she was looking for a resource that discussed prejudice and this is what came up. And I mean, if you type in prejudice, these, these are the things that are going to pop up top of your newsfeed. And so through the class, the kids are going to have debates. They're going to have discussions. That was one of the questions I asked is, Mm. is this going to be able to be discussed from a worldview standpoint? Like this is that we can wrestle with the truth, the falsehood, the logical fallacies in an open discussion environment. And the answer was yes, the kids get to have debates on these discussions throughout the book reading. And as she's describing this class, I'm like, man, this sounds like fun. Yeah. And I want to so, go sign me up. I want to go. <laughs> I know. So I was like, okay, I get that. And the, the reason why it was being brought up is because right now, if you look up prejudice, discrimination, bias, it's all social justice that's going to yeah. come up. Yeah. That's the available resource. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get then why it was presented. Yeah. So it's like, you'll sometimes have teachers that have this nefarious plan of like, I'm going to turn this, all these kids into little Marxists or whatever. And then sometimes you have a teacher that's just like, we need to talk about prejudice. What are some curriculum things that talk about prejudice? Oh, here's one. And they're just presenting it like that. And if you had gone in with guns blazing, assuming that this teacher was trying to, you know, turn everybody into little socialists, and uh, then that would have shut the conversation down right there. And also that dehumanizing aspect. We talk about in the Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, the 
importance of separating a person from the ideology. Because once we say, like, if we have, it says that we're supposed to demolish ideologies that are in um, opposition to the knowledge of God. But if we make a person's identity and that ideology one and the same, there's no way that we can attack that ideology without attacking the person. Right. We are always trying to separate those two things, Keep make sure we know we've got the Imago Dei in this human, and then we have this ideology. Now, sometimes people... Um, we, we call it spiritual Stockholm syndrome, where they they themselves have said this ideology is my identity, and and that's a much more difficult situation. But right. in the position that you're there, she just wanted to teach on prejudice and bias, and yep. and so she wasn't really thinking anything else. And so this was a clarifying conversation that made you excited about the class. So that's that's great. That's like the best situation we we could have had you know, hope for really. Yeah. And, and really going at it. And, and Katie, if I suggest this too, when you go, when you approach someone one-on-one and be like, Hey, how for coffee, can we discuss this? Mm-hmm. That is, it, it's disarming and yeah. it's just a, a more approachable way to do things. And I know the temptation today, you know, we, we want to protect our kids, but we also want to model good Christ-like behavior as well. Yeah. And how we treat others to include our public school educators is one way that we can do that. And there, mm-hmm. uh, there, there are people that are very overworked and are working tirelessly for yeah. our kiddos. And so any way that we can help build them up and mm-hmm. treat them charitably, which they may not get is so yeah. important. And you did it over Zoom. I think that's also really important. If you can't be in person, because so much happens through facial expressions um, and being able to disarm and be sweet and stuff like that. And just the anonymity that we see happen on the internet. And maybe it's like sometimes with the phone call as well, when you're not seeing the person, sometimes it's really helpful to be able to see them face to face, even if it's over a Zoom call. Yeah, I actually wasn't able to do it over Zoom. It was just a regular phone call, but that oh, is I a good method. Was. Nope, okay. nope, just regular chat. My so, uh, so yes, talk, reach out to the teacher directly and just see, you know, hey, what's going on? This is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm this so and so's parent. We were just curious and just hear from the teacher. Yep. Another option that you can do is to contact your local ISD curriculum director mm-hmm. directly and say, hey, I saw this in the curriculum. I was just curious why it was there in the first place. And Mm -hmm. one thing to be aware of is that the curriculum director supervises the main curriculum that all of the schools use. However, teachers are often allowed flexibility within that curriculum to decide how they want to kind of take it and shepherd it and that sort. So it leaves them some flexibility. Yeah. And that's a good thing. We have to recognize that that's a good thing because, um, Teachers need to be able to teach in the way that that is going to really reinforce the material in a way that uh, makes sense to them. So this is this is one of those free will things that it can be used for good and it can be used for evil. But having that flexibility is itself a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it is highly possible that your ISD director was not aware that this was going on. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's that encouragement to be restrained, just ask nice questions, be overly charitable and gracious Mm -hmm. within your tone. Because if you come flying off the handle guns blazing on the phone call, that's going to shut down the conversation. They're going to go in defensive mode. I would say the three words that you are really aiming for is charitable, gracious, curious, because you even said at the beginning, hey, I'm curious about this, that a lot of times when people are asking those curious questions, that's a lot more disarming instead of being like, I would like you to explain yourself as to Mm -hmm. why this is, you know, again, that's coming off as combative and we don't want to do that. 
Yeah, yeah, that holier than thou self-righteousness is not going to work out well. No, so. no, not the aroma of Christ. Not the aroma <laughs> not of a good Christ one. at all. Yeah, like I said, it's an aroma of something, but you mm-hmm. know, not the one, not the aroma of Christ. Um, so yeah, so you say go to the teacher first, maybe kind of mm-hmm. get some information on there. Go to the ISD curriculum di- um, director. Uh, is there anyone else that that they should be aware of that maybe just. Well, and, and from is this those, the order that we need to go in? Yeah, and it's it's kind of a chain of command, right? Go to yeah. the teacher, you can, then you can ask the curriculum director. And between those first two, you can get the author's books, if there are any books being used. Uh, in yeah. this case, there was not. This was just a one-time instance of a slide of, okay, let's explain prejudice and bias because we're going to be reading books like Night and Frankenstein and mm, where all oh. these themes are within there. And so it yeah. was, okay, let's define it first and then we can interact with these books. Frankenstein's so, a good one for that, for just the whole prejudice and bias. And so that is necessary to address those before you read those. Yeah. And it's great because it gives you that background to where then you can do research and see, okay, what, I mean, obviously the, the older books uh, be, will be the exception, but when it comes to discussing social justice, what are mm-hmm. these organizations? What are they advocating for? Mm-hmm. I mean, go to their statements of beliefs, uh, bullet points, all of those things. And then if need be, you can then head to the school board. And the there are some situations where this is necessary, where it's not just being introduced as, hey, this is what's going to, to happen in class. We're going to be discussing these themes. Let's look at what these themes are first before we get into the material. In some settings, like in Washington State, I know, I mean, these 13 tenets of BLM for kids is being posted in elementary school classrooms, yeah. and it's infusing all of their subjects. And from that standpoint, if it's now being incorporated very aggressively within your district, well, then you can go and address the school board. But even Mm -hmm. that, you have to navigate it well. Yeah, Uh, You have to have that controlled disposition because if you come in there freaking out, you've almost lost the argument before you've even begun. Yes, you have. I, I would say that this is one of the ways that we as Christians need to be set apart. And I say this over and over again at presentations that I do. We need to be set apart in our ability to have civil discourse. Yes. That the ability to have civil discourse is like almost a lost art right now. And being able to de- present, this is what I've noticed. It's like, um, you know, just presenting the facts um, this is where I've seen it going, you know, just presenting your facts instead of presenting your emotion about these facts. Right. And so people think that if you can whip others into this emotional frenzy, then they're going to see your point. But let's just say that's how the world does things. Mm-hmm. And we're we're going to be separate from the world. We're just going to present things in a very kind of, you know, shrug of the shoulders. I don't think this is healthy, blah, 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 um, as you as you need to do at the school board and not in a way to where they're going to start. Do not dignify their ability to call you a, a was it a domestic terrorist or is that what oh, they've been yeah, calling Oh, yeah, that's parents? been lobbed in. Oh, yes, all of those yeah, things. Yeah, um, So, or just for the school board to say, we don't feel safe with this person. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean just don't be, don't be that person. Yeah. As much as you're able, break the caricature. Break the caricature, please. Be calm. Uh, I mean, it, it, honestly, it doesn't matter because I've seen situations to where there have been people who have been very articulate, very calm, and people are still crying hostility just because they've been presented with facts and statistics. So depending on the person you're interacting with, you might be in that case to where it doesn't matter how you say something, they're still going to Mm -hmm. flip out. That's yep. going to happen, but that at least you, at least your character is is reflective of what yeah. we're striving for, and that's that's the goal. I, I think I can't remember which passage it it is where he says, even if people wrongly accuse you, that they'll be able to see your good deeds and glorify God who's in heaven. So even if they want to falsely accuse you of being, you know, this 
harbinger of, you know, anger or whatever, that if anybody watches the video, they're like, she was totally calm. You were the one yeah. freaking out, you know, the, just being act in such a way that you wouldn't mind this footage getting out on CNN somewhere and being like, I act, you know, I represented Christ here. (laughs) Um, Yes. So controlled disposition. And then of course, always come with facts, statistics, quotes, Mm -hmm. the backgrounds of the author. I mean, you just want to have all sorts of information to support your case because as Hillary pointed out, so much of our culture today relies on an emotional appeal. It's this emotional Mm -hmm. uh, outreach to where if they can manipulate people in that way and get all the feels stirred up, well, then they Mm. can win the argument. But wait a second, if the facts are not affirmed, if the facts are completely denied, then uh, how we feel about the situation is completely irrelevant. So again, always buttress any argument that you are going to make with source material, because very Mm -hmm. often you're going to be asked, well, where's your evidence? And we do do see this in cases to where parents are like, well, here, let me just read this passage from the book. And there it is, you know, so make sure you're, you're supported in that way. And let's just remind ourselves that the word uh, apologetics coming from the word apologia means to make a defense for. It means you're giving supporting evidence and reasons for the conclusion that you're making. This is what it means to be an apologist. Um, And so this is why it really matters for apologetics. Uh, it's, It's just this is a type of cultural apologetics that we're having to do. So we hope that you have kind of a better idea of like if if your child comes home with this, what are your first steps? So we thought that we would start taking you through this actual curriculum if you're seeing something similar. Now, it could be one like in the case like with Amy's school where they're not actually trying to make this some big part of the curriculum. But yeah, these concepts are the kinds of things you do need to address if you're teaching something like Frankenstein. And so we're going to look at these slides. For those who are watching this in video, we're going to put them up on the screen. For those who are listening through podcasts, then we're just going to read what's on there. And the way that we really, we want to, we want to roar through all these slides. And so one of the ways that we're going to be roaring through this is we're going to be looking at the actual words that are being used in these slides. We're going to look at the classic definitions. So I happen to have this wonderful um, dictionary set from my dad that I used when I was a kid that he used when he was a kid. That's the new Webster's world dictionary, what is it? new Webster's or the Webster's new world dictionary encyclopedia of the English language encyclopedic edition from 1960. So <laughs> I've often advocated for getting some of the older uh, dictionaries before agenda started creeping in to say like, what is the definition of this word? And let's look at how it's being used. Um, with this new, with the new curriculum, and compare it to the old definition. How are they defining this word? How how would we define this word? So we're going to look at like the classic definition. We're going to look at the curriculum definition. Uh, what do we agree with? What lies are sneaking in? And uh, yeah, just go through these one by one. And even if it's not going to be a big deal with um, the other stuff that's being taught in your kids' class, this is an absolute opportunity to be with your kids and be like, let's talk about, because this is going on in society, let's talk about how society is treating this um, so that you know if you start hearing some of these things, this is how you would be able to think through it reasonably, rationally, and critically. So um, we'll put uh, the first slide up here for a second. Um, And so Amy, why don't you just read through which part we're going to address first? 
All right. So first we're going to look at how they define social justice and mm-hmm. bias, because mm-hmm. this is often where this is the starting point. This is the litmus test for how we determine all of these other words, like whether discrimination occurs, whether prejudice occurs, and then how to respond to it. So that's what we're going to be covering today. And we're going to look at the background behind these these key terms here and good discussion points that you can have with your kids. Cause again, you know, it could be, these words could just be tossed around. And so we want these words to kind of stick out to your kiddos to where when they hear justice, when they hear mm-hmm. bias, they pause. And like the, uh, like Greg Kokel suggests, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? And this will not be the last time they hear these words. So this is a great conversation. This tool just happens to be the time when you get to bring it up, but these are words that they're going to be hearing tossed around in society all the time. So it's good to, you know, hey, perfect opportunity to address them. So first off, uh, justice. Yeah. So introduction to social justice. And I got my phone here with the slide. So if you see me looking down, that's why. And And I'm looking at mine over there. So if you see her looking down and me looking there, that's what we're doing. (laughs) We are checking out the slides. Yeah. And so social justice is described as achieving justice for all in terms of personal liberties, opportunities, and distribution of wealth across society. So if you're listening to that, you probably picked up right away that justice in and of itself wasn't very clearly defined. No. However, it, there's this implication of how we achieve justice is for equal personal personal liberties, equal opportunities, and that equal distribution of wealth across Distribution society. of wealth. That's a very much of a buzzword for socialism and for Marxism. One of the things that you'll see in the actual Marxist literature, I know because I had to go through all this stuff when we wrote the Marxism chapter for the first Mama Bear Apologetics, is a fair and just society. This is the phrase that they use over and over again, a fair and just society. So first off, let's just talk about these two words, social justice. And let's look at the word justice first. And so when we we were writing the second Mama Bear book, um, The Guide to Sexuality. One of the things that I noticed as I was going through the passages about justice uh, in the Bible is that in the Greek, the word for justice and the word for righteous mm. were the same word. Because I noticed the word for injustice and the word for unrighteous, those are also the same word. And so this idea of justice and righteousness, they have to go together. So in that book, we were saying, can you have justice for something that according to Christ is unrighteous? And the answer is no. It is Those are so tightly, I mean, considered together that they are the same word. So let's look at what were some of the classic definitions of the word justice that we looked up. Yeah. And so our classic definitions, it revolved this quality of being righteous and righteousness implies that it aligns with truth. So Mm -hmm. it's very much truth does exist and righteousness and justice is based upon a right judgment on that standard of truth. And I love that, that, that definite, that, you know, in the Webster's new world dictionary, I love that that was the very first definition was the quality of being righteous. I was like, yes, you can kind of see them having that classic definition right there in the very first definition. Absolutely. And that's what's so important is because so often within social justice, it's not necessarily based on this adherence to truth. It's more outcome focused. Mm -hmm. As long as I have the same result as another human being, well, then it's just. And Mm -hmm. Uh, according to the original definition, that is not what it's it's ascribing towards. It's that no. impartiality, that true fairness, and for fairness and impartiality to exist, truth also has to exist. Yep. So I think we had several. We got the quality of being righteous, impartiality, fairness, the quality of being right or correct, sound reason, righteousness, validity, reward or penalty as deserved, 
as in just desserts, and the use of authority and power to uphold what is right, just, or lawful. So I think that was interesting, this idea of bringing in the concept of authority and power to uphold what is just and right and lawful. And as Amy mentioned, a lot of times people are thinking that that is equal outcomes, that everybody has the same thing instead of them having the just thing, which, you know, according to one of the previous definitions is that reward or penalty as deserved. So this concept of justice and righteousness is all going to be in the same, you know, under the same banner. Well, now the problem is when we use the word social, we're using this for a group. Can you have, is there any situation where you can have justice for an entire group without knowing what each of them have earned or what each of them have earned in terms of reward or penalty. That itself right there is almost like um, saying that we're going to take justice and we're just going to average everything off, you know, the the ones that deserve more and the ones that deserve less. We're just going to average it for that whole group. I would say right off the bat, that is a bad definition of justice because if you have people getting sort of what the group deserves, then it has nothing to do with the, the individual. And like, yeah, this is basically grading on a curve and you don't get justice when you're being graded on a curve. It's like some people get a benefit and other people kind of get knocked down. And so just the phrase social justice, that would be what our problem is in the beginning with that, that concept to begin with. Yeah. Well, and having that word social at the beginning, that's what's determining what is the justice is what the majority has agreed to, but that is highly subjective. And that's what we're, that's what you'll see throughout this is it has this relativistic approach to all aspects of truth. And in fact, you actually Mm -hmm. won't see truth used within social justice curriculums. It's always bias. And what does that little switcheroo of the terminology uh, does? What does that do? What it does is it obliterates truth and then just says, no, each person has their perspective, uh, except for social justice. Social justice isn't actually a bias. That is the truth. Of course and not. so everything now has to align with mm-hmm. this man-made, highly subjective, culturally relevant standard, and yeah. then filtered through from that process. Yeah. So that's an important distinction. That's what I love about one of the definitions of justice is sound reason, meaning we're yes. logically valid. This is a logical system. And mm-hmm. when you start looking into social justice, you'll see that it is highly illogical, mm-hmm. and which is important for kids to understand that the, to understand this requires work. It requires growth, which is advocated on the slides. They want growth. Yeah. They want progress. And we're all for that. So long as you're progressing in the right direction. And so <laughs> and you're so, progressing towards truth and not towards toward truth. So let's just even go back to this idea of worldview. We say this matters from a worldview. So what happens yeah. with a worldview? Your worldview is the thing that you take as granted. This is truth. I'm going to interpret everything through that. Mm-hmm. As Christians, we say we have a biblical worldview, which means we interpret everything through that biblical worldview, meaning that we are all fallen people and that uh, some people choose to do good, some people choose to do bad. Um, and a lot of times it's going to be a mixture of the two, but being able, but there's a standard of right and wrong that we are all held accountable to. Um, that's kind of our biblical worldview. Now, how would you say the, the worldview um, for social justice, it's actually taking this concept of we need to do the just thing for this group of people based on their social group, that's the thing that you're not allowed to challenge. That is the truth. That is the basis for everything, and you can't question it. That's why that's a bias. So uh, according to social justice, how would you say the curriculum's definition of justice is? 
I mean, again, like like we've been pointing out, it it's heavily subjective on the group's decision. And, you know, there's multiple points of origin for this. So you've mm-hmm. got the Marxist origin where you automatically automatically have oppressors and oppressees. That's where you'll get mm-hmm. that phrase intersectionality. Depending yeah. on which category you fall into will determine whether or not you are a, an oppressor or an oppressee. And if yeah. you are an oppressor, that's inescapable. You basically have to seek forgiveness from the oppressee and they determine whether or not you are forgiven. And it's only, it's only for maybe a certain amount of time. If uh, I remember Monique sharing how, you know, you may have one person who says, okay, yeah, you're, you're doing enough to advocate for me. Uh, but if you have another person who says, no, you're not doing enough, well then automatically you are back in that oppressor category. Back in the oppressor. So, I mean, it, it, it's highly subjective. Yeah. And so so that's where there's so much problem within this definition. It's mm-hmm. vague. It's determined by the group. It basically reduces each individual to a, a mini godlike status to where they get to determine where forgiveness and where enough is. And it usually involves, well, now the oppressees now have to take over the oppressors and then that's where justice is achieved. So that's where that, yeah. that salvation claim. So all worldviews have to answer core questions about what's true and real. What are human beings? Or excuse me. What is reality? What are human beings? Uh, what is truth and morality? So you're going to see standards here of what truth and morality is throughout social justice. And anytime we have a worldview that is separate from the biblical worldview, they're going to have to find godly placeholders. So they're not going to have objective footing, which we're going to see throughout these slides. So what's truth and morality? What is sin? So that's that oppressor category that you'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Purpose of human history, and then what happens after we die? So, does anything happen? What's the salvation? Man, we, can, we can do a whole podcast just on that. So, the you know, we'll, we'll yeah. leave that with you. That'll be in the show notes. But we're gonna have to. We can't dig into each of those. I right. just want to really focus on this idea of social justice when it says distribution of wealth across society. So, this yeah. is where the justice is coming. Is a fair distribution now? This is where you have these two competing worldviews of the social justice worldview of how they think all this stuff should be distributed, distri- <laughs> distributed, sorry. <laughs> and then you have the biblical worldview of how things should be distributed there um, and whether or not it's someone's following the laws and has done right and has worked hard and has done all these, you know, all these different things. All we got to do is look at the parable of the talents yeah. uh, where Jesus get, or the, no, he doesn't do it, but in, in the parable that these different people were given a different amount and then they worked a different amount and then received a different amount because it was all based on their, how, how faithful they were with what they'd been given. It wasn't based on, we need to make sure all three of you get equal. Uh, same thing with the parable. Uh, actually, you could go the other way for the parable of the, um, the wages in the vineyard. The, yeah. the, actually, someone could say that. It's like the ones that started work earlier versus the one that started work later. They all got the same amount. Mm-hmm. But that, again, was the landowner deciding. Mm-hmm. And that was for one day. <laughs> right. They all got equal. They got all got equal treatment in terms of equal outcomes. But that was him deciding. That wasn't I don't think they would have decided that amongst themselves. So it's like kind of where do we allow the Lord to make that decision? Where are we putting ourselves to make that decision? So anyway, there's there's two separate verses that you could use to justify either either of those perspectives. So we want to recognize that. Let's move on to the concept of bias. So bias is something that uh, any, any of y'all that have kids that are going to be in sciences, especially if they're going to be in... Um, 
collegiate sciences, they're going to be talking about a bias and objectivity. And so, yeah, so our definition of bias, so this is how it's defined within social justice. It's a mm -hmm. tendency to favor a certain thing, person, or idea compared to another can be towards or against something either favorable or unfavorable can be harmful and close-minded. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of words that should be jumping out at you because so many of them aren't defined. So what, how do we define harmful? How do we define close-minded, uh, mm -hmm. favorable or unfavorable? And then what it, bias doesn't interact with was, wait a second, what happens in the case of truth? Because yes. if you are advocating for something that is objectively true, if we reduce that then to a bias, then it has no power. It, it has mm -hmm. no ability to motivate change, whether that be in legislature or in thought. And so that's where the danger comes in is, wait a second, when we strip away truth and then just reduce everything to bias, well, now mm -hmm. we're in a relativistic worldview. And then yes. how can we or advocate for one way or another? Well, the only way to do that is is it equal in outcome? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's very problematic, the definition used within uh, yeah. modern social justice. Yeah, we can just keep going back to, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have to be looking at everything in terms of truth. Is this pointing out back to truth, or is this something that can basically change depending on the situation? And that will be a very big difference between the biblical worldview versus the social justice worldview. And like you said, theirs is not, is it true, but is it equal? in terms of outcomes. So not equal in terms of opportunities, but equal in terms of outcomes. That is going to be how everything is judged versus the Christian worldview is we're saying, is this true? Because as, as you said plenty of times, we should have a bias towards truth. I yeah. want to be biased towards truth. Now, the fact that they don't even bring truth into the, into the conversation here is this implicit postmodernism, which says we don't believe truth is even knowable. Mm. Anybody who says it, so if you look at uh, chapter, what was that, chapter eight or nine in the first Mama Bear book, the postmodernism chapter, yeah. if you don't believe either that truth exists or that if it does, you can't know it, then it's everybody just fighting over who um, who can make, who, who can be more powerful. And the most powerful person puts forth the perspective that everybody has to bow to. It's not a truth issue. And that's the implicit assumption behind this concept of bias when they don't reference truth at all is this concept of it doesn't exist. And if it does, we can't know it. Right. So we are actually reaching the limit of our podcast. Oh my gosh, we've just gotten into the first slide. So I'm just going to summarize what we've done. Amy and I are going to continue talking about this because we really think this is an important concept. And we think there's probably other mama bears out there that are going to be encountering the same thing as their kids are going back to school. So we just talked about what do you do when social justice comes to your kids' schools? Like, um, how do you interact? We, we had our three words, gracious, curious, and charitable. Hey, look at that. I remembered them this time. Uh, gracious, curious, charitable. That's the way that we want to interact. We want to be the aroma of Christ. We want to be set apart from culture in the sense that we can have that civil dialogue. And, and just because, again, you may have someone with an agenda or you may have a teacher who Googled and this is the first thing that came up for prejudice and bias when they're about to teach Frankenstein. Uh, you don't know who you're dealing with or you don't know if it's the curriculum developer or director of the school trying to shove every this concept into everybody, or if this is one teacher who is trying to do their best, you just don't know these things. And so you need to come with just that, that really gracious demeanor. Uh, secondly, we talked about the concept of social justice. What does that mean? Justice, you know, biblically mean that, that adherence to righteousness as opposed to 
um, outcomes, that that would be very, very different. And then bias is preferring one thing to over another and that can be harmful or closed-minded. But again, unless they're using truth as the arbiter for what we're leaning towards, then this really could mean anything you want it to mean. So these are some of the conversations to be having with your kids. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation next week uh, about the same things going through some more of the slides. So I hope this is really helpful to you so far. And uh, Amy, would you like to pray us out? Absolutely. Father God, we are so grateful that we can come and interact with this world. And we are so grateful that we can, we know where our firm foundation is so that we can guide our children to be good, critical thinkers, that we can guide our children on how to navigate culture gracefully and truthfully while standing firm and pointing back to you in a way that draws people to Christ. And Father, we know that that we can enter these, these discussions with whether it's with our kids or with our school board, and we can do so without fear because we know that we have you to rely on and that when we are following after you, Christ, we don't need to fear what happens. And so I pray for these parents, grandparents, teachers, educators who are listening, that you will empower them to speak rightly, speak boldly, and to be fearless in the faith. In your holy mm-hmm. name, amen. Amen. And just one thing that I, we don't normally do, we do have a book coming out. Uh, it's going to be March of 2024, and uh, it's Honest Prayers for Mama Bears. So if you are having just issues with go, what's going on with the, the teachers and the administration, we actually have prayers in there for teachers that are teaching at a uh, public school and for the administrators, ways that you can practically pray for them to where we have just some really high quality, truth-based people that are in power and just ways that we can pray and bless them. So take a, take a look at that, pre-order that. And uh, that's just one of the aspects of the prayers that we have in there. So thanks. We'll see you next week. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.